This is The Guardian. Once I sort of settled on this idea of the kind of journey, the travel story, I became really interested in sort of thinking about that as a more of a kind of literary trope and the way that, you know, that sort of masculine journey is such a, you know, long-standing narrative trope. I mean, it's as old as, you know, literature itself. Being heartbroken is tough in any circumstances. But what if you take your heartbreak on the great American road trip, only to wind up in rural Ohio, working at a private exotic zoo that's about to explode with chaos? This is the enthralling premise of the latest novel by award-winning Australian author Emily Biddo. I'm Zoya Patel, and you've downloaded Book It In, the podcast where we have conversations with top authors about the ideas that shape their work. In Wild Abandon, we meet Will, a 23-year-old Aussie who flees to the States to escape a breakup. He's chasing the transformation that Jack Kerouac promised in On the Road, but instead, Will finds himself caught in the crumbling world of Wayne, a Vietnam vet who has dozens of lions, tigers, and other exotics in a private zoo in Ohio. Will feeds the animals and unknowingly feeds Wayne's mania at the same time. Author Emily Biddo and I dove into the many themes this book unpacks, from what makes masculinity toxic to the role that America plays in our collective Australian imagination through to how writing techniques can evoke an atmosphere. In Wild Abandon, we meet this young man, Will, And he is a very complicated young man. Um, But the key fact about him is that he's decided to take this big trip to America. Can you tell us a bit about what spurs that decision? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, He's just gone through his first sort of major heartbreak. Um, And he, I guess he's sort of fulfilling a a bit of a fantasy that I never fulfilled when I (laughs) went through those things myself, which is just that dump everything and run away sort of urge. Um, He just drops out of uni. He subleases his room in a share house and he just flees the country. He's a young guy that's very... Uh, he's very sensitive, I guess you would say. He's um, prone to feeling very humiliated. That's his biggest fear and I think he just feels absolutely kind of devastated and humiliated by this heartbreak and he just runs away. But he's sort of been running away from things, you know, before that as well. So that's obviously his kind of tendency. Um, But then there's also just the part of it, which is that this is his first overseas trip and he's, you know, like a lot of young Australians, you know, got that urge to travel Um, and, yeah, America is kind of where he wants to go and so that's what he does. (laughs) I definitely want to pick back up on America in a second and also will you describe him so generously as sensitive (laughs) and I want to come back to that Um, but things don't really pan out the way that Will kind of intends with this trip Um, he he goes into it thinking he's going to replicate Jack Kerouac's 
great American road trip and then he kind of finds himself in this little town in Ohio. Can you tell us a little bit about what he ends up embroiled in in Ohio that he might not have expected? Um, well, essentially um, he runs out of money. <laughs> he's He's got this fantasy, as you said, of, of doing a kind of road trip, of replicating this kind of fantasy of the, you know, what I would call the, the sort of masculine quest, um, but, you know, On the Road by Jack Kerouac is his favourite book. He's brought it with him and he just has this sort of, he knows it's kind of an embarrassing fantasy, but he, he just has it all the same and he wants to, to do a road trip. Um, but the whole trip is really ill-conceived and he just runs out of money. He has to sort of get out of New York for reasons that I also won't uh, give away and he knows the other one person he knows in the whole of um, the US is a girl that he went to school with and she just happens to sort of get in touch with him and he doesn't really want to go and visit her because, you know, she grew up in the same small town as him and he sort of feels like it's a bit of a failure to, um, you know, be in the US and, and go and hang out with a girl from his hometown. But he's in pretty kind of desperate financial circumstances and he thinks he might just crash with her one one night or something like that. But uh, he ends up being introduced to a guy called Wayne Gage who is a, a Vietnam vet and he also owns a, um, a private zoo of wild animals and you know, by sort of fate or random chance, Will ends up kind of working for him for just a, a short while to try and get some money to continue his road trip, basically. <laughs> I love the irony that Will is kind of fleeing this country town in Australia to get to Melbourne originally, and then he comes to America thinking this will be this big wild adventure and literally ends up in a little country town um, in America as well. Granted, in a very different context, um, but I do feel like the America that's in Will's imagination is really common to a lot of Australians. We kind of have this collective Australian imagined idea of America as this place where life happens, but you kind of pull the blinds back on that a bit. What were you trying to tell us about our obsession with the States? You you just mentioned that it's a bit like your own desire to travel when perhaps you were younger and going on those first overseas trips. Yeah, um, I mean, part of the initial sort of inspiration for this book was noticing the sort of default first travel location, which, you know, is, I think, in a way kind of equated with the what, what Australians say as the kind of, quote, cultural centre, has sort of shifted from those early days when I was kind of yearning to, to travel. So, like, I think a lot of my peers you know, finishing high school would go straight to like London or Europe and that was kind of the the fantasy other place. Um, and I really noticed because um, I, I co-own a bar, I work with a lot of young people, a lot of young men especially, and it, it just sort of struck me um, listening to them talk about where they wanted to travel that it was kind of New York uh, and, and it just started me thinking about not only the relationship between America and Australia, but also something about uh, Australian kind of identity, this idea that there is, you know, the, the 
the location of this sort of cultural centre or this kind of fantasy other place can shift over time, but there's still a very strong sense that there is, you know, that the cultural centre is located elsewhere. And, you know, we really pride ourselves, I think, as Australians as travellers, but there's something kind of behind that, I think, as well that's, you know, it's it's the cultural cringe, I guess. Um, but I was really interested in exploring that uh, more broadly as well as the specific relationship between America and Australia in the kind of current time. Mm, And I think in a lot of ways, New York in particular at the beginning of the novel, um, but more broadly does seem like the perfect backdrop for this kind of coming of age and this reckoning with masculinity um, that Will goes through. I also love this image that I now have, Emily, of you um, just in a bar surrounded by young men kind of drinking in their, you know, ongoing psychological attempts to figure out their masculine selves and then pulling it all into this character of Will because he is not an easy guy to like. And a lot of the novel is this kind of split between what he's thinking and seeing at this really, you know, understanding but somewhat patronising narratorial voice that comes over the top um, to kind of give a little bit, almost like temper some of his extreme views around his place in the world and what everyone else's actions mean when it comes to him because he has a really, um, he's got quite a fragile ego, doesn't he? He sure does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why did you want to delve into masculinity in this way? I mean, I think the book is about a lot of things but masculinity and ego felt like two of the key kind of driving themes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, just before I answer your question, I will (laughs) just clarify that Will is not based on any specific (laughs) uh, young man I worked with at the bar. They were all actually a lot more mature than Will. And I think probably, you know, um, embarrassingly, a lot of Will's insecurity in an exaggerated form, I will say, um, I drew on my own kind of experience. I did grow up in a country town and I was born in Melbourne and then I lived in a Queensland country town for um, all my sort of teenage years and then I moved back to Melbourne and I did uh, feel a lot of sort of insecurity about, you know, cultural capital and all of the sort of things that Will has going on. So the guys I worked with in the bar were actually a lot more... uh, a lot more cool and uh, urban than than Will is. Um, but probably, like, I didn't sort of set out thinking I want to write about masculinity or toxic masculinity or, you know, I'm not the kind of writer that wants to put forward a, an opinion as such, but I was really, I guess, where that, that theme sort of came from for me was once I sort of settled on this idea of the kind of journey, the travel story, I became really interested in sort of thinking about that as a more of a kind of literary trope and the way that, you know, that sort of masculine journey is such a, you know, long-standing narrative trope. I mean, it's as old as, you know, literature itself, you know, the you could say that, you know, um, the Odyssey is is that in a way, um, and you know, f- myths and fairy stories and stuff. There's always a young man going out into the world to kind of seek his fortune, and you know, I read a lot of that stuff when I was young, and I found those narratives very kind of seductive, 
and yet at the same time I felt kind of excluded from those narratives um, as a young female reader. I didn't feel like that was kind of something that I could do um, at that, that, that age. I mean, you know, I know that there's a lot of young Australian women that go out travelling by themselves, but there's something in that sort of uh, literary trope that is very masculine and it's about that um, what I kind of came to see as quite a, a unrealistic narrative of just going out into the world on this sort of quest or journey and finding this sort of miraculous transformation or initiation into manhood or um, gathering of wisdom and experience and then a kind of return uh, as a changed person. You know, it's the hero's journey. Um, but also something I sort of noticed reading a lot of these, you know, I reread a lot of these kind of narratives and something that sort of struck me was the fact that there's often this kind of sense which I really played with in, in Wild Abandon of these um, protagonists seeing the world that they're travelling through as sort of purely the, the backdrop uh, to their journey and, you know, their sort of achievement of experience or whatever it is is everything and everyone that they kind of encounter along the way is sort of, you know, drawing on that mythological uh, history is, you know, the guide or the antagonist or the, um, you know, whatever it is. And, and often people are kind of seen through that lens. Um, and then, you know, thinking of something like on the road, for example, there's this often a sort of trail of destruction left in the wake of these kind of young men on their quests. Um, and they don't sort of see the equal subjectivity of the other people that they encounter um, who are also on their own <laughs> journey. So I, I just found that really interesting and I, I wanted to sort of partly write that kind of quest, a version of that sort of quest narrative, but also to sort of subtly, uh, hopefully, undermine it from the inside. It is really, really interesting. You've hit on so many of the things that is fascinating to me about Will's subject position because he has a level of self-absorption that is truly magnificent to behold, right? Like he just has no sense of how the world doesn't actually revolve around his experiences. And it's quite interesting because there's two other Australians in the book. There's Will's um, childhood friend slash older brother's best friend, Paul, who lives in New York and he's a chef. And then there's Tamsin, the young woman who he went to school with who lives in Ohio. And there's even almost like a gendered way to which Will perceives each of them. He kind of sees Paul as living this big, amazing New York life that he kind of yearns for. But then he's so embarrassed on behalf of Tamsin, who he sees as just having moved from one small you know, backwater town to another small backwater town and what a dull life she leads with in this like really loving, respectful relationship that she has and the child that's on the way, etc. Um, I think that really kind of typified that idea of the male coming of age narrative that is entirely self-driven. And you're right, you know, the books that we were told were coming of age classics when I was growing up were books that were entirely about men. So The Catcher in the Rye is, you know, the obvious example. Did Did part of that I guess that seeking narrative, that quest narrative, um, it's almost created as though there's like an opposition between the male 
experience and the female experience. And Will definitely has some troubling ideas about women. The book is kind of punctuated by these key female characters who you're seeing through his eye. And then suddenly you get these insights into how wrong his perception really is. How did you do that in a way that gives some skepticism to the way that Will sees the world and doesn't kind of reinforce some of his really toxic ideas about women and how they should relate to him? Starting out, I was a little bit worried about how I was going to kind of introduce a, a you know, female perspective into this narrative because, you know, it is very, it's a kind of masculine world um, and, you know, I should say it's the kind of central action of the narrative and particularly the, the later kind of two-thirds of the book was based on a real uh, story that I fictionalised but it, it was kind of a world that I didn't, you know, I, I didn't feel like I could kind of change it in, in a way that would be realistic um, to introduce a lot more female protagonists into that narrative. It just was sort of an inherently sort of masculine world that he kind of ends up in. And, yeah, I sort of hit on this technique where there are what I call for myself these sort of swivels where so the the majority of the narrative is very close third person sort of almost through Will's perspective but it's a third person narrator and then uh, these little momentary kind of swivels happen where suddenly it's almost like I think in in if I was to describe it in cinematic terms we kind of jump to the perspective of um, you know, another character seeing him suddenly through someone else's eyes. Um, and that was one of the ways that I was trying to kind of create that sense of um, tension, I guess, or or a kind of movement of kind of closeness and closeness to and distance from his perspective. And there's also, you know, other... I think dialogue, um, conversations were really important for me to kind of allow, you know, the female characters to sort of speak as well. And there are a couple of sort of key, you know, conversations that Will has, one with the woman that broke his heart um, and another with a woman called Valerie that sort of, again, hopefully sort of show the reader that there is uh, another or probably many other ways of of seeing things but that his you know his way of interpreting his experience is very subjective um without kind of you know overtly undermining that because you know he is the main protagonist as well and most of it novel is told sort of from that very close third-person perspective. But, yeah, I guess just in general I was really, that was one of the things that I wanted to kind of try as a writer to to do was kind of experiment with that sense of closeness and distance all the way through the narration. So there's sort of, there is that third-person narratorial voice as well that kind of we almost zoom out to sometimes as well. So there's kind of different ways um, in which I've kind of tried to bring in that sense of moving away from the very close third person at various times. And I think 
I'm being probably a bit hard on Will. He is empathetic because you can see how fragile he feels. And part of what I found really interesting was the way that the women in the book are, you know, despite his defensiveness, they do ring true as very strong female characters. And sometimes that's actually the thing that seems to be almost threatening Will's sense of masculine self. There's a line that I love when he's in New York and he meets this group of women who are all intimidatingly beautiful and talented and they're artists and he's at a gallery opening and he he kind of notices them from afar having already been part of the group. He references their conversation as the unceasing impassioned female conversation that he would hear the world over and for the rest of his life and always be shut out of. And this sense of exclusion that he feels from the world of the female is really fascinating to me. It's not that dissimilar as a woman to how you sometimes feel um, just about women in groups anyway, right? Like yeah. there's this kind of closeness and intimacy that can feel really um, shut off or almost like a wall to other people coming in. Why did you put these scenes in New York in that really drive home his sense of just feeling like he's always on the outside looking in? It's Is it something that you think is a common experience, um, you know, the world over? Is there an element that you feel is quite linked to today's generation as well? He spends a lot of time aimlessly scrolling through social media and then hating himself for doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily certain about the reasons for that, but what kind of comes to mind, I guess, is I think I am drawn to, you know, even with my first novel, The Strays, the kind of the figure of the sort of outsider, um, whether or not, you know, I don't think Will is actually an outsider. He's, you know, a very kind of privileged uh, young white man, but he sees himself as an outsider. He feels like he's an outsider. And um, I don't know, like I'm just really interested in that kind of tension between or the kind of um, dynamic of individual subjectivity um, as it relates to the group or society or culture, you know, and, and how we all sort of navigate that in various ways. Um, and I think, you know, it is that idea of kind of will feeling shut out of female kind of closeness and conversation. I think it is something that I've sort of witnessed um, young men or not even young men sort of feeling um, and, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, despite all of the kind of privilege that comes along with being a, you know, a middle-class uh, privileged white man in Australia, you can't have everything. <laughs> um, and that is something I think that men are kind of shut out from, um, that, you know, sense of kind of not being able to <laughs> to get into the dynamic that women have when they are just in a group talking to other women. And I think that's really interesting. And I think there is definitely a difference in the way that groups of women 
talk amongst themselves compared to the way that groups of guys talk amongst themselves. Obviously, I <laughs> have not uh, been a man in a group of men talking amongst themselves, but, yeah, I, I think that's just something that I've observed and it's, you know, it's it's just one thing that Will can't have and he feels it, you know, he really feels the kind of sting of that, that he, will, he, he cannot get you cannot get into there. So tell me a bit about the relationships between men in this book, because there are actually some really wonderful, um, deeply detailed, um, warm male characters in the novel as well. Um, and then there are some some truly awful male characters as well. I'm thinking of Will's um, childhood uh, friend, Paul, who he meet early on in New York, um, compared to Tamsin husband, JT, that we meet later on. Um, tell me about these other men and the relationships that Will can't quite construct with them. He doesn't seem comfortable um, with any of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, you know, I, I didn't sort of set out to write uh a kind of takedown of of contemporary masculinity or anything like that. But I, I guess I was just sort of interested in also exploring, you know, and it, it is related to, to, you know, what we just talked about, about the, the ease with which I think women seem to kind of be able to conduct those friendships to a greater extent than men. I mean, that is something I've kind of talked to, um, you know, my male friends and, and partner and stuff about the, the fact that, um, I think I tend to sort of have this fantasy of, oh, it must be so easy to be a man in the world, uh, to be able to kind of just go overseas by yourself and feel uh, a sort of sense of safety or, you know, courage or I don't know what the word is, but just a sort of unthinking ease in in the world because of a kind of extra layer of of sort of safety or privilege or whatever it is that that goes along with that and you know I I remember sort of commenting something along those lines to my partner and I think I said something like oh like being a guy in a group of guys going out into the world you know whether it's a night in the city or going on a bushwalk or whatever it is must just feel like the safest thing in the world and he was like it's actually not um because you are a you know potentially a sort of scared man among other men and it's actually the dynamic of the relationship with the other guys in that kind of group that is the source of um pressure so it's a completely different thing and and that sort of made me think a lot about you know, the relationship between men and how that is not necessarily, as I may just unthinkingly assume, just this kind of easy, safe uh, environment. There's a lot of kind of power dynamics and, you know, just as there is between women. But, yeah, I guess I, I wanted to sort of complicate that. I didn't want to just sort of uh, make all the men the same. They have their different relationships with one another and different things going on. And yeah, and Will is a particularly awkward, shy sort of 
insecure guy and he doesn't uh, feel at ease in the world and he's constantly sort of trying to uh, seem cool, I guess, um, believe that he could be cool and so that, you know, causes its own problems, I think. I think you did raise something quite um, important there though, which is that element of safety because when we were talking earlier about how all of these male coming-of-age narratives Um, a lot of them do feature this kind of quest um, element, right, where they strike out on their own. And it is virtually impossible to have the same story with a female lead because there is a fundamental level of safety that I think would complicate that matter. Like Will can choose to crash in this complete stranger's house on a a property with like many wild animals um, with this guy who, you know, from a distance, Wayne definitely seems a bit crazy even before you really get to know him. And the main fear that Will has isn't for his safety but for how he'll be perceived. There's a scene where he kind of stays in the house. He's meant to be, you know, sleeping in this kind of trailer but he stays in the house where Wayne has wandered off and drinks an entire bottle of alcohol and passes out on the couch. And his fear when he wakes up is that Wayne will judge him for those actions not that anything bad would happen to him. I think if it was a woman, it would be quite a different proposition, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And really, you know, in practical terms, I mean, this was in the very, very, very early stages of kind of just thinking about this book. But um, because, as I said, the sort of seed came from a real story, which was something that happened in Ohio around the owner of a private zoo. And uh, I... I knew that I couldn't have a female protagonist, you know, coming into that um, story. I I knew I sort of had to have a a kind of outsider perspective because I couldn't tell that story from the inside, you know, that kind of American story. Um, But there was no way I could have a young woman kind of coming in and just landing in that environment. It just felt like it would have been way too sort of far-fetched. And so, you know, a lot of these themes of kind of masculinity that, I ended up sort of thinking a lot about and exploring did kind of come from, you know, a practical uh, question at the start, but then that actually relates to the whole thing because it's like, well, the very fact that it couldn't have been a a young woman um, is because of all of that stuff, yeah. Mm. And the outsider perspective is another element that's quite interesting because the story would have been completely different if you tried to just tell the story of Wayne and his private zoo. And to me, it's actually one of the similarities. You alluded to this um, earlier, the connection between Will from Wild Abandon, this novel, and then Lily, who's the protagonist of your earlier novel, The Strays, because they're both these outsiders who get sucked into these worlds that are driven by male characters who are older than them, who are quite you know, manic and um, really unusual, very much on the fringes, almost mad in their own ways. But you haven't told us either of those stories through the eyes of those men. Instead, we get this kind of external perspective of characters who are really quite naive and both of them, both Lily and Will, feel a lot of shame about how unsophisticated their origins are or their families are in contrast do you think it's easier to unpack these complicated characters like Wayne and um, the artist Evan in The Strays through an external perspective? And is it because you don't want to delve into the full chaos of their brains? I think it would be, you know, the books would be so different if they were told from those perspectives. Yeah. I think probably like in both cases, um, 
like I, I'm obviously very kind of um, preoccupied with sort of ideas of the difference between the kind of mythologizing around certain kind of figures and, you know, the kind of, quote, reality. Um, and I think, you know, in, in The Strays I was really interested in unpicking the sort of myth of the masculine artistic genius and part of how I wanted to kind of do that was to place him in the sort of context of the domestic and the family and, you know, see him from that sort of perspective. And in this case, I think it was more about wanting to kind of show or explore the idea of kind of travel and trying to sort of understand another culture as much as it was. I mean, I guess not not inhabiting Wayne's story from his perspective, it just felt like I I couldn't probably pull that off, you know, as an Australian writing about America, it was always going to be a very kind of uh, outsider perspective. And I think I just decided I needed to kind of embrace that and make the book sort of about that. You know, the, the fact that you can never really understand another culture or another person um, and that, you know, it's sort of about the fantasy of travel, the fantasy of, you know, the kind of elsewhere. So there's sort of two parts to the narrative set, you know, the first part's in New York and the second part is in Ohio and I titled them both America to sort of gesture to that idea that, you know, there is no one kind of America and that Will is never going to actually understand America just as, you know, I as the author was not trying to capture the essence of what is American culture. Um, I've sort of gone off on a tangent there but basically I am as I said, sort of interested in the outsider perspective but also the exploration of, you know, those slightly mythical or or kind of archetypal figures that kind of occupy those tropes like the artistic genius or the troubled Vietnam vet, which is Wayne's character, from a perspective that some shifting I guess and not trying to capture those those things from the inside um, because it's the sort of the process of the sort of mythologizing and the the distance between you know those tropes and the reality that kind of interests me I guess. Mm. Yeah I love the way that you put that because it does always feel like you're you're seeing Wayne from the corner of your eye. You never quite look at him full on. Um, and I find that that actually gave me a lot of scope to try and understand that character. Um, but I'm also quite interested in what you were saying about not being able to write America, you know, correctly as an Australian, because I feel as though, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I certainly feel this as a writer in Australia, that when we write stories that are really grounded in an Australian setting, I almost worry that, you know, we'll only ever have an Australian audience because it we never feel as though the world at large is interested in those stories. Whereas 
sometimes I feel this impulse to just try and set all of my stories in in Europe or America because maybe that way Europeans and Americans might actually want to read them. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever feel like, you know, there's something about America that feels universal, a bit like what we were saying earlier around Australia's kind of imagined reverence for, for America? But I do worry about that just from a, you know, writer's perspective of wanting to have an impact with our work. Yeah, well, ironically, um, it... My agent so far hasn't been able to sell this book in the States. So The Strays was published in the US, um, you know, which was a very Australian story. And I assumed with this story, you know, because it's set in the US, that it would have that more international appeal. But I think there's something about um, Americans that potentially don't necessarily want to read, you know, that sort of outsider version of of their culture. Um, That seems to have been the kind of response so far who knows it's still kind of early days but um yeah and I think that revealed to me my own sort of cultural cringe because I think actually um there's quite a hunger for those you know really Australian stories um in international publishing at the moment not that I you know wrote this story to to try and sell it overseas, but that was just my assumption. It's like, oh, but this is set in New York, you know. <laughs> It'll be much easier to publish overseas, but it's actually it hasn't been the case. So That's actually very reassuring, Emily. I feel better about all the work that I'm working on that is very Australian. Write a crime uh, novel set in an outback town. <laughs> yes. I, I wish I could write compelling genre fiction for that reason. Definitely an appetite for that. Um, now, I did want to ask in kind of thinking about the way this novel left me feeling. Um, It's a book that just gave me so much scope to think, but I loved how at the very end, um, and I won't give away the ending, but it ends quite suddenly, but you do give us a little bit of reassurance that, you know, all of the troubled masculinity that Will is unpacking um, in terms of his coming of age and his identity throughout this long trip in America that doesn't pan out that he wants it to, you give us just a little hint that things do work out okay for Will in the end. We don't know how he gets there or what happens, but we get a glimpse that perhaps things get better for him as he ages and goes through life. Why did you want to give us that reassurance at the end? Um, I think I didn't want it to end on too dark a <laughs> mood. It, it is a pretty dark novel in a lot of ways. Um, And also, I guess that the last sort of scene, um, there's a coda as well, which is, again, quite different. But I think the scene that you're sort of talking about sort of rounds off Will's narrative. Again, I was really interested in thinking about, you know, that, that quest or journey sort of story in that section. And, you know, I guess sort of undermining that the normally what I sort of feel like is is a kind of typical resolution for that story where there is a kind of getting of wisdom or a coming of age or, you know, and Will doesn't really have that because I think, you know, from my perspective it's not actually realistic as a narrative to expect that you can just leave home and automatically just by doing that, come upon experiences that will transform you utterly into a different person or an adult or a, you know, a quote, man. And so, you know, I want to basically show that that has not happened. His resolution is not to have come of age, to have, to be able to come home completely transformed, 
but also, you know, to kind of just show that he will go on leading his life and that we gather that wisdom and come of age across the entire sort of life span, not just by going on a, a journey and sort of striking out and, and having a, you know, a fairy tale journey and, and coming back a prince or <laughs> whatever it is in those. But that not that there's anything wrong with that, I guess. It's just that's a more realistic way of the story <laughs> ending, that the story doesn't end, it just kind of continues. Emily Bitto is the author of Wild Abandon, published by Alan and Unwin. This episode was produced by Jane Lee, Daniel Simo, Camilla Hannon and Alison Chan. The executive producers are Gabrielle Jackson and Melanie Tate. I'm Zoya Patel. Thanks for listening to Book It In. We'll be back with another new episode next week. And until then, happy reading. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 